It's the first episode of the new year here on the podcast, and I thought, well, no better time than to open up the mailbag and answer Oriole's questions from you, the listeners. So that's all coming up on this Mailbag Monday 2023 opening episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Monday, January 2nd, 2023, and welcome back in to the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb. And coming up on today's episode, we are opening the mailbag, a Mailbag Monday edition of the pod, answering nine Orioles questions all from you, the listeners, here on today's episode. We will talk about a multitude of different things, including different ways the Orioles can acquire starting pitching, whether it's via trade now, trade at the deadline, or free agency next offseason. We'll take a look into who some of the key free agents will be this time next year that the Orioles could go after. We'll talk about Grayson Rodriguez, what his impact could be for the Orioles next year. We'll talk a bit about some of the other trades that the Orioles could make, and a little bit about the Eric Hosmer rumors that came out over the weekend. But that's all coming up on this episode of the Locked on Orioles podcast, which is brought to you by BetOnline.net. BetOnline has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline, where the game starts. So let's jump right into the mailbag here, kicking off our first episode of the pod here in 2023 with a Mailbag Monday edition. Got nine questions from our Orioles listeners. Thank you so much for getting your questions in. And let's jump into our first question that comes from David on Twitter, who asks, how would you feel about the Orioles waiting until next offseason to add a top starting pitcher? This is a good question because, as we know, at this point, as we get to the new year, The Orioles are not adding a top starting pitcher in free agency this offseason because all of the top starting pitchers are gone. The O's have signed Kyle Gibson to a one-year $10 million deal, but everybody else that could be considered even close to an ace is off the board, with the last one being Nathan Eovaldi, who signed a three-year deal with the Texas Rangers last week and really made him the last guy off the board for the Orioles. The best starting pitcher left out there in free agency right now is Michael Waka, and he has been connected to the Orioles, but that's not an ace. That's more of a back of the rotation signing. So we're at the point where if the O's want to get an ace, it's going to have to be via a trade this offseason. And it could happen. It could not happen, depending on, you know, how Elias wheels and deals with some other GMs. And I think we had a good conversation about that back on Friday's episode. Arm Layton joined us. We talked about some mock trades between the Marlins and the Orioles that could get one of those young Miami starters to Baltimore. But maybe the O's can't swing one of those trades. So if you look at next offseason, I will say that if, and this is a big if, if the O's are willing to spend next offseason, it's not a bad time to go get an ace starting pitcher. Here's just some of the names that will be out there as free agents, most likely next year, unless these guys obviously get extensions during this season. Shohei Otani, Yu Darvish, Clayton Kershaw, Hunjin Ryu, Martin Perez, Noah Syndergaard, Miles Michaelis, Julio Arias, Alex Wood, Aaron Nola, Lucas Giolito, Kenta Maeda, Blake Snell, Luis Severino, Frankie Montas, Tyler Malley, Jack Flaherty. That's a lot of guys who 
could be potential aces. And there's different tiers of pitchers in that entire group that I just named. But you know, I don't think the O's are getting Otani. But and Kershaw's either going to go back to the Dodgers or probably retire. But if you look at guys like Darvish and Nola and Giolito, Tyler Molly, Jack Flaherty, Blake Snell. All guys that the Orioles should have the money to spend on, and you could definitely put those guys at number one in the rotation. And you would hope there's even less pressure on one of those guys come opening day next year because you've hopefully got a full season of Grayson Rodriguez, and maybe he looks like an ace at that point. Maybe he doesn't, but he still looks like a really good Major League starting pitcher, and you have more guys in place. So yes, if the O's are willing to spend, maybe on pitching... Next offseason is better because there's just more top flight options than there were this year. I mean, you had Verlander, Scherzer, and Rodon, but below that, there was a big drop-off. Not as much of a drop-off from the top next offseason. There's more options to get an ace, but the O's have to show me they're still willing to spend it all. But there are good options next offseason. Next question comes from Beehides Rising Tide on Twitter, who asks kind of a... Similar-ish question, or at least one that goes off the same kind of thing. Which deal for a pitcher, or which kind of deal for a pitcher, could have the greatest impact on the Orioles? A free agent signing next year, that would be next offseason, a deadline deal this year, or a trade that could come now or at the deadline that's kind of a young guy for young guy swap, whether it's Prospect for prospect, two guys who are close to the big leagues, or, you know, like one of the swaps we talked about on the episode Friday about the Marlins-Orioles trades, a swap like a, a Braxton Garrett for Ramona Rios. you know, two guys who still have, you know, five, six more years of control, but are both big leaguers at this point, but still have a lot to prove. Which of those three would make the biggest impact? I would say number one of the three, if you're power ranking those, would be the free agent next year because of all those names I just listed. I mean, the Orioles should be able to make a serious run at the Giolitos, the Blake Snells, the Tyler Mallies, the U Darvishes, the Jack Flaherty's, you know, even the, the Frankie Montes's of the world next offseason. I mean, there's so many names too that a lot of teams are going to want these guys, but how many teams are going to sign two of those guys? Some of them could, you know, pull like the Texas Rangers have tried to do the last couple of offseasons. But there's going to be a lot of those ace-type pitchers to go around. And I'm not saying all those guys are legit aces, but they could be number ones on solid-to-good baseball teams. There's going to be more of them to go around next offseason. So I'd put that number one. Number two would be the young guy swap. I think it's interesting to get a guy like a Braxton Garrett, who we talked about, or like an Edward Cabrera from the Marlins, who we also talked about, or a Trevor Rogers from the Marlins, like we talked about on Friday's episode, where you know maybe the Orioles give up a Ramon Arias, a Jorge Mateo, a, a Jordan Westberg, a Joey Ortiz type in that deal, either a guy who's briefly been in the big leagues or you know has been in AAA and is a high prospect and is about to be in the major leagues in the near future. Now, I don't think the Orioles would probably trade for a pitcher who hasn't been in the big leagues yet. But they, again, could trade for one of those guys like Garrett or Cabrera, who's been in the bigs a little bit with some success, but still isn't quite proven yet, but was definitely a very highly rated prospect and has a very high ceiling. I can see the O's trying to make a trade like that. And that's a trade where, you know, I would put that number two because you don't have to bank on that player performing in maybe the you know one or two years you have him if you trade for him and then you don't extend him. You can also mold that guy. Now, I would love to get a Corbin Burns. He's molded into a Cy Young winner. But if you take a step down from Burns, maybe a trade for a, 
even a Pablo Lopez or maybe a, a lesser guy that's on the trade market, a guy who's been in the big leagues for you know three, four years, you don't get to mold him as much as you might get to mold a pitcher like uh, an Edward Cabrera or a Braxton Garrett, who, yes, has been in the bigs, but is still very young. And you can still really develop, and you still have you know six years of control of that pitcher. You can really turn him into a lot of great years. So I think that'd be really, really helpful. And then third, I would say the deadline deal. You know, uh, in asking the question, the, the user mentioned guys like, Brandon Woodruff or Corbin Burns from the Brewers talked about, you know, maybe Pablo Lopez as well. And those guys would certainly help. You know, you'd, you'd get them for a year and a half. If you got them at the deadline, they'd be free agents after the 2024 season. That would hopefully if the O's are making that deal at this deadline, they're probably, you know, right in the thick of things in the playoffs in, in, in early August of 2023. But I only put it last because there's only so many of those guys. And I think more of a deadline deal for the Orioles, which we'll get to later, would probably be for a lesser starter. So that's how I would rank those three. Third question of the day comes from Jonah on Twitter, who asked kind of a similar question, looking at the free agent class. Who would be some of the other free agent targets for the Orioles next offseason, specifically the hitters for this question? So we talked about the pitchers in that first question, but the hitters as well. It's, it's a solid class. Now, in terms of the infielders, you got some good options, and number one could be Rafael Devers. Obviously, the Red Sox right now are trying to work out an extension with him as he goes into his final year of his contract with Boston, but if they don't, he's the top option, most likely in terms of a hitter next offseason besides Shohei Otani. Then you got guys like Reese Hoskins, who I think could, could fit with the Orioles, Matt Chapman if he has kind of a bounce back. Then you have Colton Wong who would definitely help the Oro's infield. Ahmad Rosario would really fit what they're trying to do. He's like an upgraded version of Jorge Mateo. You know, guys who could help in, in, in lesser roles like C.J. Crone, Joey Wendell, and G-Man Choi, I think could all help the Orioles lineup. And then in the outfield, you know, if the O's are still looking for an outfielder, Jock Peterson would be out there again. I thought he was a perfect fit for the O's this offseason, just didn't make the deal. Charlie Blackman would be out there. We'll see how much he has left in the tank after his final year in Colorado. Teoscar Hernandez, who was just dealt to the Mariners, he could be out there. Then Michael Brantley again would be out there. And a really interesting one is Ian Happ of the Cubs uh, is looking like he's going to become a free agent unless the Cubs lock him up to an extension, which they, they certainly could do throughout this offseason. But Definitely some guys who could help the O's lineup, and those would be some guys I definitely could see them targeting this time next year. But we got plenty more to get to here on today's Mailbag Monday episode coming up after the break. We're going to talk about what the Orioles could look like at the 2023 trade deadline and a couple of questions about Grayson Rodriguez, what he could do next year, and who any other breakout rookies could be for the Orioles. But first, this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is brought to you by BetOnline.net, which is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis as we head into the new year here in 2023. Now, we still got college football going on. We got some bowl games today and, of course, the national championship game coming up next Monday. What a day of semifinals. Those were the best ever, by far a classic with TCU beating Michigan, and then maybe even more of a classic with Georgia beating Ohio State to set up Georgia TCU in the championship game. All the lines, all the odds, everything on that national championship game, you can find it at Bet Online. Plus, you got college basketball, you got the NBA, you got the NHL, and you got an NFL season, which is heading into week 18 next weekend. Get all the odds at Bet Online. And if you love sports podcasts, which I hope you do if you're listening to this one, you can find those at Bet Online as well. They're always the fastest and easiest way 
to get your betting info. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more at BetOnline, where the game starts. So we're back here on a Mailbag Monday edition of the Locked On Orioles podcast to kick off 2023 here at the pod. And our fourth question of the day comes from James via Twitter, who asks, where do you see the Orioles at the 2023 trade deadline? This is a good question because as far as we know now, the Orioles could make some more moves this offseason. They could make a trade, but theoretically they could go into spring training with this roster. You know, I did my first opening day roster prediction back on Wednesday's episode. Make sure to go back and check that one out, predicting the 26 guys that would head north for the first time. And talked about how the O's have added, you know, four legitimate big leaguers who will be on their opening day roster so far this offseason. They've at least somewhat filled some holes, not with the best guys, but they've upgraded a bit. And you could see them going to spring training with this roster. So if you're looking at this roster and you're saying, well, what would the O's do then at the deadline, kind of the next big chance to acquire players? Well, obviously, it's going to depend on the team's record and how the team's playing through the end of July. But I really do see the team, like, unless the Orioles are just mowing teams down, like unless the O's are 20-plus games over 500, or unless the O's are 20-plus games under 500, which would be a difference, I think they'll be somewhere in the middle of there. And I think they'll kind of be tweeners. Kind of teams that that buy and sell at the same time. Now, we saw what the O's did last year. They trade Trey Mancini for prospects. They trade Jorge Lopez for prospects. And they basically pick up Brett Phillips in a trade that was essentially a glorified waiver claim. That was their trade deadline when they were in a playoff race last year. They certainly, in total, subtracted from a good baseball team. I don't know if they'll exactly totally subtract from a good baseball team like they did. But I could see them adding... And subtracting. I could see the team trying to add like a cheap reliever, maybe a guy with with two or three years of control who could help them down the line, a guy on a bad team who won't cost too much in terms of prospects. Maybe adding a rental bat. You know, I don't see them adding many rentals, but but maybe a guy who's only signed through the rest of the year, but just to help them out, maybe plug a hole in the lineup for pretty cheap and to get them through the end of the season. And then the last thing would be trying to get a starting pitcher with team control, something I think they're still trying to do this offseason, but if they don't get it done, they could certainly try it at the deadline if guys like Burns or Woodruff or others are available, kind of going to depend on on how some teams like the Marlins or maybe the Tigers are doing next season. But I could also see them subtracting from the team. You know, you could see them trade a guy like Anthony Santander. You know, he his contract is up after 2024. You get to the deadline, you have a year and a half of him left. If the O's don't plan on extending him and you know, maybe they're not sure about his defense, but his bat's still playing well like it did in 2022, you could see them trying to flip him. You know, maybe dealing away a reliever like they did with Jorge Lopez last year and like they did with Cole Salser and Tanner Scott right before the season last year. You know, not exactly a complete sell-off, but maybe trading high on a guy like CNL Perez if he has a good first half or you know trading high on you know somebody we don't even know at this point somebody who who comes in and pitches well maybe it's it's Dylan Tate or someone like that and then maybe trading away from the infield depth you know maybe it's a Ramon Arias deal at the deadline that gets them like a solid reliever or a Jorge Mateo deal at the deadline that gets them a solid reliever. Or, you know, you do trade away like a, a Jordan Westberg when he's already been in the big leagues to go get a legitimate starting pitcher at the deadline. I could see that happening, but I definitely see them kind of playing both sides at the 2023 deadline. Next question comes from Aiden on Twitter who asks, could Grayson Rodriguez bail out the Orioles rotation by having a Spencer Strider-like rookie season in 2023? 
Another good question, because listen, Spencer Strider was incredible as a rookie for the Atlanta Braves this year, was awesome, was a strikeout king. The stuff was tremendous, helped the Braves win the division and finished second in NL Rookie of the Year, only behind his teammate, their outfielder, Michael Harris. Could Grayson Rodriguez put up, at least per inning basis, those numbers? Yeah, I think he certainly could. He's got the stuff. We've seen it in the minor leagues. It's elite. He's one of the best pitching prospects in baseball. He could put up those numbers on a per-inning basis. The reason I will say I don't think Rodriguez could, quote, bail out the Orioles' rotation. The, the point of this question is, say the O's don't add anything more to the rotation. Maybe some of their guys regress a little bit, like Tyler Wells or Dean Kramer or Kyle Bradish, And, you know, John Means isn't ready till midseason. And they just need somebody to pick them up. I don't really think it could be Grayson Rodriguez. And I say that only because, and this is also the reason why he probably wouldn't have a Strider-like season, he's going to be on an innings limit. The most innings he's pitched in a pro season, 103. That was in 2021. He threw only 75 and two-thirds innings last year. Of course, went down with the lat injury in June, came back right at the end of the year to make a couple of starts, but never did get to the big leagues. They're going to slow play him. And I do think there's a very high chance that Grayson Rodriguez is in the Orioles' opening day starting rotation, but I think that's in a limited role. Now, one way to limit his, his innings would be to keep him down in AAA for six weeks and mess with his service time and, and get that extra year before you bring him up sometime in late May. They could do that. I'm not ruling that out. I don't want him to do it, but they certainly could. And even if they don't, you know, Rodriguez is never going to pitch more than five innings at a time, especially in the first half of the season. Because again, they're not going to limit him to 100 innings, I wouldn't think. He's done it already. He was on pace to throw way more than that last year. I mean, he got injured in June with 75 innings. But something they could do is just make sure that lad is okay and, and really, you know, not take the kid gloves off. And they could maybe piggyback him with Tyler Wells or, or D.L. Hall or Austin Voth or someone like that to manage his innings. I wouldn't be surprised if his Grayson Rodriguez's first career start goes three or four innings in that first week of the season next year. And then they go to, to Tyler Wells or, or D.L. Hall out of the bullpen. Like, I would not be surprised at all. And they're going to limit him, you know, somewhere around maybe 120, 130 innings. And so that's going to mean starts are skipped and he's only pitching four innings sometimes or five innings sometimes. It's just not going to allow him to have the impact that Spencer Strider did for the Braves. Next question, kind of in the same vein, comes from Bernard on Twitter who asks, will anyone besides Grayson Rodriguez have an Adley or Gunner-like impact on the Orioles as a rookie in 2023? Another good question, because both of those guys I mentioned had incredible impacts. Adley Rutschman for most of the season after he came off the injured list and got to the big leagues after the triceps injury. Yeah, he had a few bad weeks, but overall he was tremendous. Then you have Gunnar Henderson, who should have been in the big leagues much earlier than he was, but he comes up right at the end of August and just dominates throughout September. So could somebody have a, that kind of impact? Yeah, I would say two players have the best chance. Number one would be Jordan Westberg. You know, if Ramon Arias or Jorge Mateo are struggling or Taron Vavra is struggling or the Adam Frazier thing is just not working out or whatever it may be, you could see Jordan Westberg be big league ready pretty quickly. Probably not opening day, but fairly quickly. And if he hits like he's hit in the minor leagues, he could have that kind of impact. And then the other guy I would say is Colton Kowser. Now, Westberg could have closer to an Adley-type impact because Westberg could be around if things fall his way for a lot of the season in the Orioles lineup. I don't see that being the case for Colton Kowser just because the O's are most likely going to go into next year with Hayes, Mullins, Santander, McKenna, 
all on this roster and potentially another outfielder, whether it's like Mazzara or Cordero, or they add someone else this offseason. Colton Kowser is certainly going to start the year starting in center field in AAA Norfolk, but the O's will use the season to play things out, and maybe they they finally say that's enough with McKenna, and maybe Austin Hayes just flames out, and you know who knows with Kyle Stowers, maybe he's you know more of a, a DH platoon guy than an everyday player, and the Orioles just end up giving Kowser maybe for the last two months of the season a real chance in the lineup. He could have that Gunnar Henderson type impact. So those are really the two guys. I would point to on that list. But we've got three more questions to get to to finish out the mailbag here today, talking a bit about uh, what the Orioles' infield will look like, who will have a bigger impact, who could be dealt between Arias or Jorge Mateo. We will talk about if the O's could regress a bit next year, and we'll talk about the Eric Hosmer situation with the Orioles reportedly interested in free agency. But first, this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is brought to you by Built Bar. Because if you're looking for a delicious treat, but you don't want all the fat and the calories, then you gotta try a Built Bar. We just got through the holidays. Some people, I know they have the goal to eat a little healthier. And if that's one of your goals, Built Bar is a great place to start. Because with Built, healthy is actually tasty. Seriously, they're so delicious, you won't even believe they're good for you. Here's what makes them taste great. All these amazing flavors, all the bars covered in 100% real chocolate. Flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, coconut almond, and many, many more. But here's the healthy part. Each bar is only 130 calories, has only 4 grams of sugar, and 17 grams of protein in every Built Bar. And now, you don't need to wait around to get a box. You can now get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. Walk into the store and get a Built Bar as well. You can pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs. And hey, if you go to Sam's Club, get a 13-bar box with the flavors like brownie batter or churro. Listen, you can thank me later. So head to Built.com or head to your local Sam's Club or Walmart and get yourself these delicious and nutritious Built Bars. So we're back here wrapping up a Mailbag Monday episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast here to kick off 2023 in style and we'll jump right back in our next question comes from at Briggsy AJ on Twitter who asks who is more likely to get traded Ramon Arias or Jorge Mateo interesting question because we know as Ken Rosenthal wrote in his column a couple weeks ago that the Orioles are receiving calls for Jorge Mateo via trade talks and we also know that Ramon Arias would kind of be a perfect piece if a team needs a big league infielder if the O's are looking for a big league starting pitcher in a trade. And I had heard that the O's had been dangling Arias out there a little bit in different trades, you know, with the Mets for David Peterson and with some other teams. Talked about with Arm Layton last week how Arias could fit for the Marlins in that kind of trade to get one of Miami starting pitchers. And Mateo would work as well for those teams, especially now that Jorge Mateo is one of the better shortstops out there. You know, the big shortstops are off the free agent board. Teams still need a shortstop. Mateo would be a good fit for a lot of teams that they could pry him away from the Orioles. Now, when you look at these two guys, it's interesting because Ramon Arias is a free agent after 2026, Mateo after 2025, so Arias does have one more year of control with him. Ramon Arias has had a better bat substantially in his career. Now, Mateo brings you other things like amazing defense and base running, but Ramon Arias did just win a gold glove at third base, had a great defensive year as well. So although Mateo is a better defender, Arias is a better hitter, and he's still a really good defender in the infield. Now, 
Mateo can play a little bit of the outfield if you need him to, which Arias really can't. And Mateo, I think, would be a better weapon off the bench because of his ability to steal bases as a pinch runner, maybe be a better defensive replacement, a little more versatile. So if either of them went to that role, I think Mateo would fit it a little bit better. And they're still very cheap. Neither has, uh, well, Mateo just now hitting arbitration, whereas Arias will do so next year. And then when you look at guys, you know, the Orioles are trying to get up to the big leagues behind them. I think they both kind of fall into the same category, being in the infield and the O's having all the great infield prospects coming up. So in conclusion, I would say Ramon Arias is a little bit more likely to be traded. I would say both would work in a trade that gets the O's maybe a starting pitcher as a piece in that trade. But the reason I say Arias is other teams might like him more because the bat is better and the Orioles might value Mateo more because if you know, Westberg comes up and is a stud and Gunner continues to be a stud and Adam Frazier works out or maybe they sign another infielder or Joey Ortiz is really good or whatever it may be. I just think Jorge Mateo, because of the speed, the defense and the ability to play all over, fits a bench role better than Arias does. And if they're both resigned to that role, I think the O's would choose Mateo over Arias. So that's why I'd say Arias would be the more likely to be traded. Next question comes from Todd on Twitter who asks, do you think the Orioles, whether as individual players or as a team, will regress next season? Well, Todd, this is something I've talked about on the podcast a couple of times, and it's one of my main arguments for the Orioles adding more in free agency this offseason. I get that the O's just won 83 games with all these young players, and I understand they've made marginal upgrades, plus other players will get a year better, and you have a lot more prospects coming. So I get in theory, that says, well, the O's should win even more than 83 games next year and compete for the playoffs. But that's not reality in Major League Baseball. Reality is, guys have career years, and then they regress. Guys have bad years and get better. The Orioles had a lot of players, especially on the pitching side, have career years last year. And there's some guys I'm looking at, like CNL Perez, Dean Kramer, Spencer Watkins, Keegan Aiken, even Kyle Bradish could have a little bit of regression next year just because a lot of these guys are very unproven pitchers. And, you know, you're even looking at, I mean, Felix Bautista was so good, he could even regress a little bit. Now, I'm not saying he's going to be bad, but there's a good chance he's not as dominant next year as he was this year. And then you have guys, you know, hitters, Jorge Mateo, Ramon Arias, I could both see regressing some for the Orioles. Just in general, you have to be prepared for that kind of regression. And that's why the O's brought in the veterans they did and Gibson and Frazier and Gibbons and McCann. It's to help against some of that regression that they know is going to happen from some of their very young players in 2023. I just think you had to do a little bit more to, to, to back up and account for that regression. Now, in terms of as a team, I do think the, the pitching in general has a better chance to regress. I think the Orioles hitting was generally disappointing. And I think some guys, especially like Ryan Mountcastle, will get better next year rather than regress. But you look at that bullpen, I mean, it was kind of thrown together and it was a top five bullpen. You can't really expect that. And then the starting rotation, you know, all those guys after John Means goes down, none of them still, you know, had had a full good big league season. And you still don't have any of those guys except for Kyle Gibson in the rotation going into next year. You got to expect a little bit of regression, a little bit of struggles. And I think, Todd, it, it will happen next season. Now, hoping not too much and hoping they can fill some of the holes to make it okay. You just have to be ready for it. It's going to happen. It's how you prepare for it. I don't think the O's have prepared for it quite enough going into next year. And then the final question of today's mailbag episode comes from Zach on Twitter who asks, would you rather sign Eric Hosmer in free agency 
or give Franchi Cordero a chance to be Ryan Mountcastle's backup at first base? This is a good question. It came up over the weekend when the Orioles, according to John Heyman in his article at the New York Post, were reportedly interested in Eric Hosmer in free agency. Now, Hosmer, of course, left-handed bat who plays first base, kind of something that the Orioles, I think, are still looking for right now in the free agent market and is a veteran. And many people said, well, Eric Hosmer, you know, he's a four-time gold glover. He's won a championship. He's a clubhouse leader, blah, blah, blah. No, please keep Eric Hosmer as far away from my team as possible. Now, some of this has to do with him being on the 2014 Royals. And everything about the 2014 Royals will always hurt me. And I don't want them anywhere near the Orioles. But there's also a lot of things on the field that tell me the Orioles do not need Eric Hosmer. First of all, Eric Hosmer the last couple of years basically is a league average hitter. He's got a you know, 103, a 104 WRC+, so just a touch above league average. The issue is, he's just a DH now. He won those gold gloves when he shouldn't have, because the gold glove award is terrible. Again, remember, Jorge Mateo wasn't even selected as a finalist for the gold glove this year, despite being the best shortstop in baseball defensively. Gold gloves are rubbish. Eric Hosmer is a bad defensive first. He used to have this whole aura about him that he was like the greatest defensive first baseman. He was good, but he was never that great. He's bad now. He had a negative five defensive run saved at first base this year. It's hard to get a lot of defensive run saved at first. It's also hard to get a lot of negative defensive run saved. And somehow he got negative five. That's how bad he was. Ask a Padres fan. He's horrible over there now. So you look at a guy in Hosmer who played a little outfield in his you know much younger days, eight, nine years ago with the Royals, but generally has just been a first baseman since then. So he's terrible at first. Meanwhile, Mountcastle showed he was pretty good defensively at first last year. So if you're bringing in Eric Hosmer, you're going to play him at first base some, but you're generally looking for him to just be a DH. Do you really want a guy with a 103, 104 WRC plus who refuses to hit the ball in the air? Listen, Hosmer still hits the ball hard but he beats the ball into the ground and he's refused to change that for 10 years. He knows, or at least he should know, hitting the ball in the air is going to make him a better hitter with how hard he hits it at times. He just refuses to change that. So he's just ground ball after ground ball. So if you have a guy with no power, I mean, he's not even going to hit you double digit homers, terrible defense, and just being a DH at a slightly above average hitter, there's no reason to bring him in when... Right now on your team, Kyle Stowers is a better fit. And to be honest with you, the question also asked, would you rather give Franchi Cordero that chance? I would rather give Franchi Cordero or even Nomar Mazzara to play a little first base that chance over Eric Hosmer right now on this team. I mean, we know the O's kind of don't have that backup first baseman right now. James McCann has some ability to play there. He's now on the roster and we know Adley can play there. Maybe Vavra or Santander can play a little first base as well. They no longer have Tyler Nevin traded him to the Tigers over the weekend for cash considerations after they had DFA'd Nevin last week to make room for James McCann. So they do probably need that more backup first base kind of option, but you want a better option than Hosmer. And I honestly think Franchi Cordero, even with the terrible strikeout numbers, he hits the ball in the air. He can hit some bombs. He's had some stretches of life in the big leagues. And Nomar Mazzara has had some stretches of life in the big leagues that I just think both of those guys have higher upsides as hitters right now than Eric Hosmer. And because Hosmer's only a DH at this point, that's basically what Mazzara and Cordero would be anyway. You just need them to play a little bit of first base. They can't be worse than Hosmer defensively at first base right now. So I just don't see the point from any angle of bringing in Eric Hosmer. There's just, there's no reason to do it. 
I, I think I've made my feelings on Eric Hosmer pretty clear at this point. But that'll do it for today's Mailbag Monday episode. Thank you so much for sending in your questions. We got a lot of questions. Uh, if we didn't get to yours, don't worry. We're going to do another Mailbag episode later this week. Unless the Orioles have some news to break, most likely when we return on Wednesday, it'll be a Mailbag Wednesday episode. So there's still time to get your questions in for the Mailbag. If you'd like to do that, you can email us at LockedOnOrioles at gmail.com. You can tweet at us at LockedOnOrioles. The DMs are also open as well. You can be like Jim Palmer and you can tweet at LockedOnOrioles. You can also leave a comment on our YouTube page. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe to the Locked on Orioles YouTube page. Leave a mailbag question in the comments and we'll get to it. Or on Apple Podcasts, if you give a five-star rating and a review to the podcast, leave your mailbag question in the review section and we'll get to it on a future pod, which looks like it'll be a mailbag Wednesday coming up on the pod when I return. But thank you all so much for tuning in here to start 2023. It was an amazing record-breaking year for the Locked On Orioles podcast in 2022 and open to break even more records this year. And hopefully the Orioles give you uh, something to want to listen to me talk about here in 2023. But I'll be back to continue doing that with a Mailbag Wednesday episode coming up in two days. But until then, I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.